Welcome to No Sound Left Behind, a deep dive into all things from the creative realm with a focus in free jazz, jazz, and improvisation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to No Sound Left Behind. This week, uh, we set up an interview with Roberto Romeo, a legendary sax repairman and business owner in New York City. Uh, and Roberto definitely has a, a long and interesting story. And uh, he's also the owner of Michiko Studios in uh, Times Square, Manhattan. Uh, one of the last, may, maybe the last still standing uh, sax repair shops and rehearsal studios. And uh, he's right there in Times Square, New York City, 2022. I've known Roberto for a while. Roberto, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Matt. Thank you for having me here. Hello, everybody. Uh, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to have you here. And uh, we wanted to start off by going back, all the way back to the, not the very beginning, <laughs> but uh, I know you're from Italy. Yes, and, I uh, it would be interesting to hear about your first experiences with music, your own personal relationship with music and, and jazz and, and, and the saxophone and the flute, I believe you played too. Yeah, yeah, that was my main instrument, the flute. Well, I started to play flute when I was 11 and I studied, studied classical, I started to play with bands, improvise. And at 16, I started to pick up the saxophones. At that time, I got into jazz. I remember I bought a dollar brand record and that got me into the music. I was like, wow, I want to play this. And there was a magazine in Italy called Jazzies, I believe, or something like that. And there was an article about how you can go to the States and go to listen to jazz and actually sit down with the guy after, during, after the show or before the show, having a drink and share things, talking. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I want to do that. I really wanted to come to the States to be able to talk to, to the musicians, you know, to the saxo players, to the piano players. I really wanted to open up my head. And that's one of the reasons why I got into jazz. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I came over here. Although I was going to Brazil when I left Italy, I never made it over there. But And I'm very proud that now, Becoming a saxophone repairman, I became a friend with these people. Uh, and yeah, it's really nice. And uh, that's part of uh, what is so as 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 a friend of yours. It's always been so amazing to me that in, in that part of the story is that some of the absolute kings. I mean, yeah. from Sonny Rollins to Farrow, George Coleman. I mean, these Jackie guys, McLean. Jackie McLean and uh, Archie Shep. McConnitz. And, and uh, Ornette, Ornette was in there. Ornette, of course, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, these are, these are the absolute top creators. I mean, these are these are these are saxophone legends. Yeah, and uh, and you were their guy, you know, and it's been uh, an honor, big honor. Yeah, and I, I know it was it was based on your skill, but also personal as well. You know, like you know, because it's the most personal thing of all to work on somebody's saxophone, especially somebody yeah. like Sonny Rollins. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, very... it's like such a trust thing involved, but. You know, in the moment, you know, I, I gave some master classes about repairs. And the first thing I tell everybody, the first thing you need to do is to have responsibility 
for the sex order that you have in your hands. Because there are people that is everything for them. <laughs> they play them, but they work with them. It's their life. You can't take it easy. You know, it's something very, very important that you have to understand. When they give you the sex in your hand, you're like, wow, I have this life. So it's, it's something heavy. Yeah. I remember when Sunny came the first time, he told me, I heard you're good. I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> so he gave me the saxophone. It was like 2 p.m. And he asked me, what time do you open tomorrow? I said, nine. And then I'd be here to pick it up. And he left. And he didn't put the neck in the saxophone. He didn't want me to play the saxophone. So, so my first repair, I just make the repair. And I wasn't able to, to try it, to test it. Mm. It was really, you know, it was a big challenge. He gave me the horn. He said, I see you tomorrow. At 9 o'clock, it's sharp. He was there. Mm. He came in. He took the neck. He put it on the horn. And he played like, for 20 minutes. And I was in front of me. I couldn't even breathe. I was like, <laughs> like a marble. And he asked me, what do you think? I say, Sonny, man, you asking me, <laughs> whatever you do, it's amazing. <laughs> it sounded amazing. What can I say? And from that point on, we became friends. It was really good. Even now, we, you know, we talk once in a while. And when yeah. you talk to him, it's like talking to me. It's like talking to God. You know, I feel like really talking to. It makes me like happy for days after I talk to him. Mm. He's an amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. Very spiritual, very down to earth. Amazing, amazing person. You know, and then and and I, for me, a musician's uh, saxophone leads to their sound. You know, and then and then that's what it's all about. And then so it's really something because you're not just working on the saxophone. That's where their sound comes from. Like it's the yeah. means yeah. for them to do that, for them to make their music. And then you know to hear something like Sonny Rollins sound in person, like right there. In front of you. No? <laughs> I'm telling you, I couldn't even breathe. <laughs> I was like, it wouldn't even move anything. I'm just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I know. Uh, when I was working at the studio for a while, when uh, there was a couple of times when uh, Archie Shep was trying out one of your uh, new tenors. Right. He got and, two of them. Uh, yeah. 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 And he was in the opera room, which is one of the for for our listeners. The opera room is one of the one of the studios, uh, one of the rehearsal rooms at Michigo Studios. And uh, if you were at the front desk at uh, at the studio, sometimes you could uh, you could hear a little bit from the opera room. But he had he had left the door open about an inch or two, and he was, and there was no one around. <laughs> so. I put up, I, I very quietly put a, uh, set up a, a stool and I sat down by the door. I said, Archie didn't know that I was there. And I was able to listen to Archie Shep for about, uh, for, for about 30 minutes. Wow. Work out on uh, one of Roberto's tenors, which we, we should mention, you have your own sax line as well. Yeah, I do. I do. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and then when Farrell would come in, and it was the same thing. Pharaoh's in there with trying mouthpieces out and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and when Ornette was coming in, to me, I always saw the aura around him, mm. like a light. <laughs> when he was coming in, I see this. Um, he looked like an angel, you know? Mm. Very nice guy. Mm. Super. But you know, you know, Ornette. You met Ornette. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you told me a story about Ornette and the mouthpiece. <laughs> As I recall. Yeah, you know, I, I was asking him, why do you play boundy mouthpieces? And they're the cheapest one, you know, for the student life. And he said, you know, I play them because they are sharp and flat at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I went back to listen. You listen to him and you can hear that, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's nothing like when a guy really explains to you what he does in the sound. 
And then you go back and you say, oh, wow, this is mixed room. You know, the sound is not there. The sound is kind of a split. Yeah. Amazing. That, that's, 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 so, that's so ornate right there. <laughs> and I used to tell him, Ornette, why don't you come rehearse in the studio? No, no, I have my own. I said, but you can come with noise. You don't understand. I have my own. <laughs> then he invited me uptown, 145th Street. He has the studio over there for a recording. And I remember when I was on the, you know, in the room with the, with the engineer, there was a tenor on top of the, the bench. And I said, I'm wondering who's playing tenor. It was Dewey. Dewey comes in. Mm. And he said, hey, man. Hey, Dewey, how are you? Man, are you listening to them? They're geniuses. And I look at him and say, come on, you are a genius. Come on, you can. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Amazing. Amazing. And, and before, I for, uh, before I forget, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the Sonny Rollins and Michio. Oh. The, uh, <laughs> so for our listeners, Michio is the shop cat at the studio. Who's yeah, got his wrote, own? Yeah, you wrote a tune for him, right? I did. <laughs> I did. Blues for Michio, yeah. Yeah. So one day, uh, Sonny comes in. He needs me to work on his mouthpiece. The mouthpiece play, he likes to have a groove because he has fake teeth on top. So he can lock in and he knows where he is, you know, when he plays. So when I'm doing that, he sits next to me behind the counter. And Mitchell was a little bit smaller. Stay with him for an hour. They just together for an hour. <laughs> they fall in love. <laughs> then one morning, around nine o'clock, I got a phone call, and everybody said, "Is Roberto there? I'm Sonny." <laughs> I'm like, "He didn't sound like him." And I say, "Oh, come on! Is somebody pulling my legs over here? Who are you?" <laughs> he say, "Roberto, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is he Sonny?" In the morning, I sound like this. I say, okay. <laughs> and then he said, uh, how is Mitchell? I said, Mitchell's really good. He goes, ho, 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 ho. He hangs up on me. I'm like, <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? You just called me to see how Mitchell is? <laughs> oh, no, man. He's a funny guy. <laughs> man. I love him. You know, even now, I call him. He always, always Mitchell. <laughs> he still remembers Mitchell. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. And that 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 always seems so interest, interesting to me too, because whenever I would try to to hang out with Mitchell, he always like he might kind of say hello, but then he leaves. He doesn't. He never, yeah, he's not friendly cat at all. Even with me, I cannot yeah. have him only two seconds. Right. <laughs> but with Sonny, he was cool. One hour, one hour on his lap. <laughs> it's unreal, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's something to do with like these magical people, you know? Yeah, but they are magical. They really yeah. are. I remember when I used to see Sonny at the bottom line in the 80s, I couldn't distinguish between the saxophone and the human part. Hmm. To me, it was like one thing. <laughs> the way he was moving and playing, it was like, wow. Yeah. I saw him at uh, Lincoln Center outside one time, and there was like these. Storm- oh, in the summer. Exactly. Yeah, these like these crazy storm clouds were coming in, but it never actually stormed. But the, there seemed to be some kind of connection. Energy. Yeah. Between him and what was happening, and, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and the clouds, man. You, you know, know, when I talk to him now, it's all about spiritual things. Mm. He's really amazing. Very- yeah. Zen, very focused. Yeah. And this guy, him, like George Coleman, they have a memory. I cannot believe how they remember everybody's name. I, I don't know how they do that. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, they come nine years old people. They have a, a memory that is like, I, I don't have it. I don't know about you, but my memory is becoming a little... Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm starting to forget things. Yeah. You know? It's guy they don't. I also saw some of David S. Ware's uh, horns yeah. at, the, at the shop. Yeah. And uh, I never met, I never really got to talk to David S. Ware. No? Oh, no, David no, no. He was an amazing guy. You know, he, 
he was a taxi driver in Jersey. There he was making his living. And I remember in Paris, they did a, a theater show dedicated to him, about him. He actually was participating on stage mm. for a month. And when he was coming back, he was driving the taxi. Mm. It was something like that. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that, that the reality of his life. Mm. And once I was in vacation, and he called me, say, Roberto, I need you to come home. I need to overhaul my tenor. And I say, I, I am on vacation. They, you know, be back. No, I say, you know, uh, Sunny Rollins is going to be put on the Hall of Fame. And everybody who is candidate brings a group. And Sunny Rollins was taking the Square group. Mm. We met, you know, piano and everybody. So I said to him, I, I did, okay, Dave, I come back, but I want to be there. When this happened, I want to be there. So that was the deal. I did the overall for him. He went to stage. He played for Sunny. And it was amazing. Mm. He was an amazing, amazing musician. Man. Mm. Really nice. Wow. And a sweetheart. I was always a little bit, the few times I was around him, I was a little, I was a little bit intimidated. I didn't want to cross that line. <laughs> but, you know, he has this kind of presence. You know, it's like, but like George Coleman, when George Coleman was younger, yeah, he, he used to come with his, the, the lifting weight belt, mm. his super body like that. Like, he was coming in, dropping the horn, and said, I'll be back in two hours. <laughs> 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 You could not say, well, maybe I can't. He was too big. It was like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, dur during the anniversary uh, celebration at the studio, yeah, he was, uh, I'll never forget uh, seeing him back there in A2. Uh -huh. And then uh, A2 is another one of the, the studios at uh, Michiko in the back, kind of on the, you're going to go in, turn right. It's like kind of like a rectangle shape. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he was in there playing, and I was just like, I mean, you can't get no more intimate than that. It, no. It's not. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, the Village Vanguard or anything. This was. This was like a living room. But you know, we were sitting around him. Were all, there were all musicians. Yeah. There was Eric Alexander. There was, yeah. uh What's his name? Uh, Antoine Rooney was there. Oh song. yeah, yeah. So it was like. Miss Saxton was there. So it was really cool. Was, yeah. Yeah. They were like, it was like a, a royalty yep. uh, mentorship kind of thing going down. Yeah. The way they were talking about tunes. And the, it was really, it was really cool. Yeah. That's why I love the studio so much. I love the studios. You know that. The vibe. In fact, yeah, that getting back to the studio is, uh, there's so many things connected to the studio. You know, it's like, uh, it's, there, there's so much going on there. It's like, a, it's become a part of New York City music history and culture. Yeah. yeah. You know? I see it that way, yeah. yeah. See, everybody that comes in there, they meet each other. They, it's a place where only them are there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They see each other. Hey man, do we? I didn't see you. Blah blah. It, it feels so good. You know, even teachers that come in every day, they make a living out of there. It's it's very organic. It's very alive. Yeah, and you know, it's like a the studio is a place where it's also people that are there all have a relationship with 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 music or with jazz itself. You know, especially in jazz, that we know that everybody switch around with different groups, and then they, yeah. you know, they come around and see each other. It's, it's, it's really good. I love it. There's a there, there's a picture in in the hallway. Uh, one of my favorite pictures uh, is it's it's Sonny talking to Dexter Gordon. Yeah, oh, and I'm that's like, a, that's an original picture. And the oh, okay. The photographer was a designer. Same guy that designed the poster. He took that picture and he told me that 
they want to see each other together in their picture. They didn't like the fact they were together. Mm. Next to the sunny. I don't know why. Yeah, that's a nice picture of them. Yeah. Well, that, that picture blows my mind because Sonny's like listening. It's like, whoa, whoa. Now, Dexter is like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that connects to uh, Lester Young and, uh, and Coleman Hawkins. It's like a direct yeah. line. You know? And Billy Holiday. I mean, those three guys, yes. Yeah. Me, Billy was like, and I remember when I was when I was working at the studio, you never knew who might come up the stairs. And, and I used to say that to people. I was like, "You might, you might, you, you know, if you're not paying attention, Jack DeJanet might walk by." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, be like, "Well, who's that upstairs in uh, in Studio M?" Oh, that's just Matt Ship. You know, he practices here all almost every day. Every day, every day. You know? <laughs> every day comes here. Actually, Matt is going to have a concert on the 28th, I believe, at the studios. Oh, cool. Yeah. We did a parallel, yeah. Oh, cool. You know, talking about Sonny, there was a story about uh, Jackie McLean that he told me. Mm. You know, one day, Jackie was in the shop, and I said, you know, Sonny is coming uh, in an hour. I said, oh, I can't wait for him. But he wrote a letter for him, the name I gave to Sonny. And he told me, you know, when Sonny was in jail, he said, I used to have a gig every Thursday uptown. And when Sonny came out from jail, he came straight to the club. And he asked me, say, Jack, can I, can I play a couple of tunes on your horn? And Jackie gave him, of course, gave him the horn. <laughs> and after that, Jackie said, you know what? After he finished, he took my horn, put it in the case, and went back home. <laughs> 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 I couldn't play after that one. <laughs> so wow. I can imagine Sonny, like the desire and the energy to play in front of people being, you know, being there for a while. Has to be like incredible. And then and then on an alto. On an alto too. <laughs> yeah. Anything, you know, they play if we just explode. You know? See, I, 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 I can't horn, even imagine. See, I put the horn in the case and I went home. I said, forget it. I couldn't play anymore. <laughs> Mm. Wow. You know, Jackie, Jackie was a very, very nice guy. Jackie McLean is and his whole family too. I mean, but Jackie was really, really, really good. You know, I guess you know, I, I think family is really the word. Is really the word there. Yes. So it's like, and uh and the studio itself is family. You've, yeah. got, you've got your daughter there. You've got your daughter, Camille. Niccolo, your son is there. Yeah. You know? And then, uh, and, and when musicians, like, come in, like uh, like Jackie McClain, you know, may, may he rest in peace. Yeah. It's a, it's a family vibe. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and I'd be re remiss if I didn't uh, salute Tim Price. You know? Tim Price. TP as, TP, as we used to call them. Yeah. You know? I mean... What a you know, I think it was such a nice guy. Tim. It's very hard to find people of that kind of kindness and, and respect. I mean, I, I knew him for 32 years. Hmm. And I used to see him very often because he used to teach a lot in the studios. So we were very close. He stayed in my house, he knows my kids. And seeing what happened to him, was, I was very sad. You know, one of his knees said, I feel like they stole 15 years after his life. Mm. And it is true. Yeah. There was no, no reason for him to die like that. I mean, well, yeah. I, I see it sometimes like winning the lottery, a reverse. You know, when you get yeah. this kind of sickness, it's just like that. Very yeah. sad. I still think think and cry for him because I could, I kind of miss him. I do. You know, he was always always so positive, and and uh, I know as a teacher, he affect he affected a lot of people over the years. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. And it seemed to just come on so sudden. I, I I thought I always thought that he would beat it somehow. You know. I knew that he wouldn't because the wife told me in the beginning that there was no mm. chance. Mm. Mm. The doctor knew that they would come back. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but it went faster than that. Yeah, yeah. In a way, it's like, you know, it's better. You know, I mean, if you have to go, if you got to go, you better go fast. You know, yeah. you don't want to suffer. You don't want to see those things. Well, as I know, T Tim loved the music and the musicians so much. Oh. T -t Tim's love of the music and the musicians was so much that I, I could just see him, you know, actually hanging out with Charlie Parker or, or yeah. his old friend, Bob Feldman, you know? Yeah. Another guy, another nice guy. You know, this all this is funny because like working in New York, I met all kinds of musicians. And I, as you know, you know, there's a lot of homeless people that play saxophone. They come to the shop and I take care of them. It's, it's amazing how many level, how many shades of saxophone playing there is. Mm. You know, you get it from the, the guy that makes a lot of money, the guy that never made money, and the guy is so talented, and the guy is not, and it's just everything there. And it's, it's a whole world in itself. Yeah. Really. There was a, it's a weird story, is one, one of the street guys uh, was his alto player named uh, Louis Jordan. Well, I haven't seen him. He used to play right in Times Square, and he used to come up to the shop and the studio. Tennis he was alto. Player? He was alto player, oh. and he, he used to busk right on the corner of the N train and uh, Broadway stop. I haven't seen him for a while, but this was my high school drama teacher. <laughs> wow! Really? But he was uh, he was busking in Times Square for a few years, and and then I yeah. I haven't I you know I think when you know COVID changed so much, yeah. and uh, and I myself left the city during during COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of that kind of brings me up to date. So the uh, and we're skipping over a, a, a we're, we're traveling through time really quickly from your your uh, your arrival in uh, in New York uh, and your early days with Saul 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 Frumpkin, right? Saul Frumpkin, yes, my legend, my another teacher. legendary uh, repair <laughs> yeah. guy with his own yeah. extremely. Uh, Original Absolutely. personality. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he was really wild. <laughs> but great, great technician, great, you know, and I have to say, I didn't encounter yet anybody that can loved my job like he did. You know, like the pleasure to fix a saxophone. Mm. The love that he had for it. It was really amazing. And the respect for the instrument. I was there, lucky, was, you know? there was a story you told me about uh, a musician who who dared to question uh, Saul's work one time. <laughs> uh, a, a famous guy you're talking about? Yeah, I think he was. I think he. Yeah, I think he's still. Yeah, yeah. I think he's still well known. Yeah, he's still around. I think he, I can say the name if you want. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay with it. Well, Eddie Daniels. <laughs> Eddie Daniels, you know, we're like a one bench, <laughs> me and so we were working together. And there was a leaf up door, you know, like maybe seven, eight feet away, 10 feet away. And, you know, Eddie comes in and says, so can you fix my saxophone for a couple of days? You can keep it. And they said, but I need you to fix this client for me right now. And so I take the tenor, give him the ticket, I bring it to Saul. And Saul says, No, I can't do the clarinet. Oh, I say, he say, Oh, come on, Saul. If you didn't do that, I'm gonna take it to Nick Engelman. There was another guy in New Jersey that was a good repairman. And so I say, take it over there because I don't have any time. And so Eddie say, You are a schmuck. <laughs> After that, I remember, like in a split of a second, I heard the door banging, and I didn't see anybody in the shop. There was nobody in the shop. I opened the door, and I see Saul. He lost it. He couldn't see anymore. He was ready to pass Eddie, and he would say, "I'm gonna do a favor to the musician in New York City. I'm gonna break your fucking. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna break your mouth." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember lifting. I mean, he wouldn't move. He was so st stiff. He was like lost. I lift him. I said, so you cannot do this. Let's get back in there. <laughs> At that moment, John Castellano, they used to own the SJ Studios, was next door, opened the door and banged Eddie Daniels on the back, big time. And it was a scene. I said, so you cannot do that. It was like very temperate. It was like crazy. At the end, yes, yeah, like uh, one of the guys gave him a big gun. And I don't know why every time a customer was coming in, he would go to the counter, keeping the gun inside the towel and show it to the customer. <laughs> so people, people were getting like, oh my God, this guy is crazy. I got to the point, I said, so yeah, I see another time this gun coming out from the drawer. I said, I'm done. I cannot be here with these things. And then he stopped. But it was, it was wild, but so generous and such a great, great repairman, mm. really. I mean, two different personalities over there. You know, it's, it's, it's such a part of New York City uh, jazz history. Like for me, someone should do a documentary about, about Saul, about yourself, about Rod Baltimore, and, yeah, and, and Art Shell. Art Shell was another you know, guy. I mean, if you go to Music Row, Music Row doesn't exist anymore. If you go to, mm. if you go over to that street, there's no trace of any of those shops. You know, even though Manny's, yeah, the deal with Rockefeller, that as long as the family was having the business, he could never move. You remember the building, Manny's, right? That sure. Shop. And after the guy died, the kids destroyed it. I don't know say that, but they did. And they sold to Samesh. In yeah. that moment, he broke the agreement with, with Rockefeller and everything was gone. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lovely, lovely block. I used to go there like just walking back and forth. <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. Just to see instruments in the windows. And the smell of the shop of the new instrument. Oh man. Yep. Yep. Not anymore. Yeah. And now Sam Ash is over on 34th. And I, I don't think they're doing that well from, from what I understand. It's tough. It's very tough. Yeah. Very, very tough. Their uh their their stock has gone way, way down. Yeah. Yeah. And uh it's it's you know, it's it's hard. But they have a lot of a lot of stores. Maybe in New York they're not doing good, but bad in other places. I hope for them. Yeah, yeah. Now, how's the how's the Mark Six room? So, so for our listeners at uh, at the studio, Roberto had a room that changed locations. I think. Yeah, like, it was downstairs. Now it's upstairs with us. Yeah, and uh, and the Mark Six is is and Roberto, you could you could explain uh, what well, it I is about the Mark Six that's so special. Yeah, there was everything started with a friend of mine that retired early at 50. And then he got sick. You know, he suddenly got cancer. And I was telling he was calling me, he said, Oh, you know, I don't know what to do. I said, get busy, do something. I said. He said, I want to do it with you. I say, Well, you know, buy a mark six or two, you know, and then I fix it and then we split the profit. He bought 85. <laughs> so he took me off the bench for like a year because he bought 85 saxophones and mm. I told him how to buy, where to buy and so I fixed all these horns and uh, we decided to make our sixth room and from that point on the room became worldwide known yeah. you know I have people that come in just to see the max sixth room yeah. and it's it's a very good vibe they go in there. But the system I can I, they can talk to you almost. Yeah. You can imagine who played you. <laughs> Where you come right. from. <laughs> who made you, you know? Yeah. How much did you travel around the world? You never know. Yeah. And I, I love that room. When I go in there, I feel like in peace. It's like a church. You know? Yeah. It's so this this room is worked out very well for me. Uh, a lot of people came. We sold many, many, many homes. Yep. 
And, you know, a lot of people didn't like me at the time because I went to Japan and I saw that every home in Japan was sold for at least $13,000. Everyone, doesn't matter which condition. And I say, what? Well, you know, some customer would come from Tokyo and say, you know what? I saw this great home, but they want 15000 What should they do? And I said, well, you know, if you like it, if you think it's your home, buy it. Some of them would buy it. And so I decided to put the prices up over here too. And then I thought it was the right thing to do. I mean, this is something they're very rare. They're exceptional. They're unique. And they should be sold like, you know, acoustic bass or piano or gold flute or whatever you want. You know, bassoons are very expensive. Uh, oboes are very expensive. Why is the saxophone not? Especially vintage ones. So the beginning people were got really mad with me because they said, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I used to argue with them, how many do you have? Oh, I have three. Good. Look how much money you have now. Much more than before. I mean, everything went up for everybody. Not just for us to sell them, but for people to have them. In fact, now the, the old room is rotating around people that come to me to sell. They say, you know, I want to sell my home, I want to sell it with you. That's fine. I mean, I got, I got people to understand the value of it, and I can get their money. Because I have the reputation, the people come trust me, and I'm honest with them. So it works. It seems like the value of the of the six is only going to continue to rise. Yeah, because they're getting less and less. The good ones they don't come around anymore. You know, yeah. I know a lot of serious guys. Only that's their preferred horn is to play yeah. the Mark Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although you know, every horn is great. The Khan, a beautiful saxophone. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super Balance are great. The Martins are great home. The Kings. But, yeah. yeah there's, there's, there's a whole other documentary, documentary that could be done on, on saxophones over the years. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I know a friend of mine one time, he had to choose between a Buescher top hat and a Buescher, what he called the big B, is like the one that just had a big right. B on the belt. Yeah. And he's like, I tried the top hat and I tried the big B. And then most most people would be like, well, what are you talking about? But, you know, but he went with big B over the top hat, which might sound like, what are we talking about? <laughs> you know, or like the, 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 the legendary naked lady, uh, Khan. I guess you know? the Chewberry that was before. Yeah. You know, this, at the time, I think the horns were really made by, by hand. I mean, the people that finish the horn, they prepare the keys and everything, they really would do a great job. Yeah. You know, you can feel the, the man touch when today it's kind of hard to feel it. In the yeah. Instrument. That kind of craftsmanship, yeah. Yeah, you don't feel the touch, you know, the, the man touch. Yeah. So uh, let me let me let me bring it up uh, more current to uh, Times Square getting more and more expensive for for everybody. New York City culture becoming more and more uh, based about money more than anything else. And then yes. and then COVID comes in this time, you know, and then this, this was before COVID hit. Right. I mean, everything was going pretty you know, they were still flowing. And then COVID came in and uh, and you had to shut down like everybody yeah, else did. Yeah, they forced me to shut down in March, March 18. Gotcha. So we are talking about the COVID. They closed me down and, you know, it, it didn't look good at all. I mean, you remember the time because oh, yeah. we were working together. And I felt like was the end of it, <laughs> like I think everybody else. So the hard time came in, especially for the show business. I have to say, we got hit the longest 
because before they reopen the theater, before they reopen uh, any place where you can get more than 50 people together, it was a problem. And it took like a year and a half to get back again. You know, not like before, but at least to a decent point. And unfortunately, in the meantime, uh, argument with the landlord will be getting evicted. So we have to leave the place by the end of November. Mm. That one side, you know, I'm kind of, I think I'm done with Times Square. Mm. Uh, so much traffic, uh, the tourists sometimes, it's overwhelming, really. I mean, I can imagine a bass player that goes to Times Square in December to go to a rehearsal. You can't do it. It's like, it's impossible. So, um, yeah, we, we're trying to relocate. And we will, one way or another. I mean, right now, you know, business means low for the, until July 2022. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard to get help financially from anything. You know, every bank, they're like, you know, we don't see good numbers. They say, well, of course you don't see good numbers because everything started in June. Before that, it was nothing. Uh, so we're having a hard time to get it going, but we will, we will deliver, hopefully sooner than later. Right. Well, it really be something to keep going. And then, and then uh, all that history and, 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 one of the uh, key rehearsal locations for so many musicians of, of all kinds of different styles uh, would be able to still exist in New York. Be really, uh, be a, a cultural victory in a way for the yeah. studio. Yeah. Studios to continue and still exist. You know, uh, we opened a, a GoFundMe to help out and the, the first reaction of the people was amazing, overwhelming. Yeah. A lot of people care. And, you know, just moving, <laughs> just moving. I realized we have 16 pianos. That's like uh, <laughs> incredible. You know, I, I can't even think about it, but I'm going to have to face it like within a month. So there, there was a, there was one time at the desk when I, that, uh, it's something I'll never forget was uh, Mark Momos was rehearsing a saxophone quartet. Yeah. In uh, in the room on the right, I forget what it was called. It was uh, and uh, it was the one right to the front, looking out onto the street. And while he was doing it, there was a there was a team of guys bringing a piano up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so we had the soundtrack, and these guys. You know, they had a they, they, the leader of the group, the way that he seemed to get everybody to to really go deep when it became difficult to to move certain areas yeah. is he would insult the other uh, <laughs> yeah. the other guys that were lifting and he would make you really upset. <laughs> he would insult them. He'd be like, you're this. And then, and, and I, and I'm going to do this to you. And then, and then they, <laughs> and they you know, they, yeah. and then uh, get it up or, or, or back down. And there's so many pianos there and, and uh, it's I mean, an enormous down, undertaking. Yeah. Going down is going to be easier than going up, but yeah. still 16 yeah. pianos. And uh, I, I have to ask, uh, <laughs> how is Atsundo taking this situation? So Atsundo is the, is the piano tuner at the <laughs> studio for a long time. He's very particular about... <laughs> right. He said to me, I won't be here when you move the pianos. I said, I'll be on vacation. Said, Anything you want me to do? Said, I'll give you the list. So it's going to give me a list to right. what to do before they move the piano. Okay. So, yeah. So he'll uh, on on the other side. He'll he'll show up on the other side to to uh, adjust them. Uh, yeah. Into yeah, position yeah. 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 Put in position. 
You know that he's a he's a bass player at Trumbo. Oh, I didn't know that. Really good too. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really with that kind of ear, he's really good. Yeah, yeah. I know he always wanted us to water or keep the pianos hydrated. That was one of his things. <laughs> the tantrum you can pull in the morning. Yeah. Well, if he comes in and the and the water is out and no one's done anything, yeah. you know. That was uh, he take it personal. Well, I guess oh, yeah, no. I guess for Atsundo, it's like the way the way the way you deal with saxophones. That's the way he deals with pianos. I guess he's kind of like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. he's kind of like a different a different version. Well, of these it. are all his babies, so he yeah. comes in, he knows them very well. That this, that that. So it's, it's good. Yeah, I like it. I've been working with him for many years now. I, I really the, the the Yamaha in Stage One. I really like that one. Yes, yeah, that's a good one. piano. That's a good piano. Yeah, yeah. And uh, these days, a lot of people are doing concerts at uh, at the studios. Yeah, Luther Bakken starting again. Oh yeah, he start he started in July. He's doing every month. He's gonna be the last one. He's gonna be, I believe, in two weeks. In November. And I think we probably let you know we probably do a concert on in the new place. Hmm. Before we start anything, to let people know to have a party there, and of course you'll be invited. Oh, appreciate you that. Know. Yeah. yeah, that'll be that'll be great. I'll never forget the the party, the, the anniversary celebration before uh, COVID, when when none of us knew COVID was coming. Yeah, that was in December, that was an incredible event. Yeah. yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's uh, gonna be more fun this time. I remember I was I was, I was walking just walking during the walking in the hallway during that, and then Donardo Coleman was sitting on the bench. Yeah, I was like, yeah, well, yeah. "Hey, man, <laughs> you know, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh." And the Clifton Anderson was there too. Yeah, because yep. Sunny told him you have to go there. I yeah. cannot go, but you have to go. <laughs> so he yeah, came. yeah. And as 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 we were talking before. Uh, before we started the podcast, the great uh, Mr. Moffat uh, yeah. performed at that that event. He opened he opened the concert that night. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And is yeah. Cody? Yeah, he uh, so full of life and uh, you know. Yeah, very positive person. Very, yeah, and what a player! Oh my God. And I mean, for, of- one of the greats. One of the greatest bass player ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know he used to rehearse in stage two and uh, he'd be in there for a while and doing his thing. Yeah. And, uh, oh, no, I'm getting, I'm thinking of stage one. I'm, stage one is what I meant to say. Stage yeah. one. And he used to celebrate his birthdays over there. Yeah. Yeah. And play and party. <laughs> so good. Yep. Yep. Living life. So, yeah. I'm going to, uh, for, for our listeners, I'm going to post a link to the GoFundMe. And if you can, uh, any kind of support can help Roberto uh, keep the studios, keep Michigo Studios alive and help it move to a new location. I saw uh, Camille did a thing online, uh, checking out a place down in the West 30s. Yeah, 39th Street, 7th floor with elevators, finally. Ah, so that's so that, that the elevator that's a game changer for some people, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, some of the older guys don't want to climb the stairs and everything. That, that'll be yeah, now done. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great news. Yeah, yeah, finally, two elevators, and that's on the west, that's like still on the west side, yeah, between 5th and 6th on 39th Street. Oh, okay, cool, cool, yeah, very nice place. I believe it or not, the rent is a little bit cheaper than what we have now. Cool. Yeah. I mean, Times Square, man, 2022. <laughs> yeah. No. no. There'll be less tourists down there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Plus, it's right behind Bryant Park and the library. So it's right. Nice place. Yeah. yeah. And the whole uh, Fridays thing, that'll be over. Like uh, That's be- done. They yeah. left. Fridays left a while. They, I think COVID took them down quick. Yeah, then 
I think they left October 2020, 2021. 2021, I don't know. They still left in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> But in two yeah. days, they were out of there. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> what can we do? You know, these days, money is in front of everything. So you can tell anybody yeah. that. You know, what you're doing, you're trying to keep a community together. And, you know, offer something that helps people. And yeah. But nobody cares. Yeah. They want their money. They need to make. I mean, it should be there until 2028. I thought it was like, you know, my last chapter at work. And now, we start a new one. Yeah. Why not? Well, you know, uh, God willing, it all comes it all comes together. I know it, I know the studio means a lot to to the students, to the teachers, to the musicians, yeah. to the community, and 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 the family at large. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, churches too. We got churches that come from everywhere. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So. Uh, Roberto, we'd like to Sue and I would like to thank you for uh, spending you, some guys. time with us today. It's a I'd, pleasure. No sound pleasure. left behind. Yeah. And, Good luck uh, to you and your blog, really. Oh yeah, well, and we'll we'll have to catch up with you soon. Yes, and I'll let you know about the the party, and maybe you can tell your followers too. I will absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, Matt. So uh, thanks again. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you, Sue. And I'll see you soon, guys. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please share, comment, review, and subscribe. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit nosoundleftbehind.com.